Adapting a key regulatory definition in light of new forms of aerial transport. But do we actually need to do that? From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan, brought to you by Varion. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for the very latest business aviation news and information. On first blush, it doesn't seem too complicated. When performing a flight from an airport or heliport, you're engaging in what the FAA has defined as aeronautical activity. That term has historically encompassed all sorts of operations. But with the advent of new types of aerial vehicles, the FAA recently proposed altering the definition and put out the call for comments on those changes. NBAA, with input from its Emerging Technologies Committee and Access Committee, and the Association's Advanced Air Mobility Roundtable, joined with other industry partners in responding to the FAA's proposal, with their insights on why the definition doesn't necessarily need to be changed. With more, here's Alex Gertsen, NBAA's Director for Airports and Ground Infrastructure. The existing definition of aeronautical activity, Rob, can be found in the FAA Airport Compliance Manual, Appendix Z. For regulatory buffs listening to this, that document is referred to as the FAA Order 5190.6B. Essentially, it is any activity that involves, makes possible, or is required for the operation of aircraft or that contributes to or is required for the safety of such operations. The Appendix Z lists the following activities uh, being within the scope of that definition. Number one being air taxi and charter operations. So note that that's going to come up uh, significantly um, later in the conversation. Of course, we also have scheduled or non-scheduled air services, pilot training, aircraft sales and service, aircraft storage, sale of aviation petroleum products, repair and maintenance of aircraft, and a number of other activities that we would typically expect to see on the airport. So how is this definition significant to us as airport users, Alex, and what is the FAA looking to change about it? Because it seems pretty comprehensive already. It is comprehensive, uh, but it is important to us because airport sponsors, organizations that are operating airports, when they accept airport improvement program funds, AIP grants, they must abide by a series of what are called assurances. And one of the assurances in particular of relevance to this the most is number 22. It requires that airports will be made available for public use on reasonable conditions and without unjust discrimination to all types, kinds, and classes, and here it comes, of aeronautical activities, including commercial aeronautical activities offering services to the public at the airport. So the FAA's understanding of what constitutes an aeronautical activity directly influences what types of operations are entitled to access and ultimately has implications on how airport revenue can be used, hangar use policies, uh, et cetera, as uh, airports support aeronautical activities. So being included as an aeronautical activity has been an important aspect for aviation users, especially when we fight for access to an airport, heliport, or vertiport. And in this particular update, in terms of the change that the FAA is looking to make, they're looking to add advanced air mobility, also known as AAM, commercial space, and UAS, uncrewed aerial systems, 
but with a caveat there for UAS, they would like to exclude recreational UAS. Also with me today are representatives from two of the nine members of NBAA's AAM Roundtable. Matt Brofman is Head of Partnerships and Public Affairs Americas for Lilium, and Ryan Naru is an Aviation Policy Lead at Joby Aviation. Ryan, Alex alluded to one key aspect of this conversation, which is altering the definition of aeronautical activity as it relates to AAM. That's a term we hear about a lot in business aviation. That's right. Advanced air mobility is a broad portfolio of new technologies that are intended to make aviation safer, more accessible, more affordable. And that includes electric propulsion and distributed electric propulsion. It includes concepts for remote flight and futures towards autonomy. And I think that, you know, when you look at the Joby aircraft, which is an all electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, it fits squarely in the definition of advanced air mobility. Now that said, advanced air mobility is a very broad term that has many different types of aircraft and arguably even UAS under the portfolio. So it's a real challenging term to use for regulatory or legislative purposes. Matt, how does Lilium's AAM vehicle fit into this definition? At Lilium, we're building uh, an aircraft built for regional air mobility, right? So when you think of advanced air mobility, or even just nearly into EVTOLs, electric vertical takeoff and landing jets, there's all sorts of different missions that these jets are going to focus on. For our case, we're focused on regional air mobility, and so we've got a ducted electric vector thrust jet, right? So a different type of propulsion system in our case to get that jet up vertically and then to transition to horizontal flight onto wing. And I think it's a tie into what Ryan was saying. You know, one of the challenges with AAM, it's kind of like saying innovative technology. And so what we think of today as innovative technology or AAM may change in five years from now. It was probably different five years ago, and it will be different in 15 years. So as a broad way from a regulatory perspective, it's not something that we would want to see define who can and can't use any sort of facility or what a facility looks like. So just as you you wouldn't use innovative technology uh, in, in normal regulatory uh, world to, to define what who can and can't do something, we wouldn't want to see AAM uh, in that same aspect. So while Joby and Lilium have similar types of aircraft, Aircraft and the aircraft that will eventually function, similarly in terms of the fact that they are EVTOLs, there are all sorts of different aircraft that could technically be under AAM. So Alex, let's go back to the FAA's request for comments about altering the definition of aeronautical activity. Please tell us a bit about how this process works and about the comments submitted by NBAA and its partners, the Aerospace Industries Association, National Air Transportation Association, U.S. Parachute Association, and Vertical Flight Society. As associations, NBAA and others are always advocating for the FAA and other government agencies to keep policy current, and we very much commend the agency for being proactive in this case to make sure the FAA Airport Compliance Manual keeps up with emerging technologies. The FAA used its standard process to solicit public comments, and the first step in the process was the announcement of the proposed policy update in the Federal Register, which can be found at regulations.gov. They did that on November 7th of 2023. Originally, comments were due in 30 days, uh, which put them on December 15th, 2023. And then a number of uh, groups have asked for an extension, and the FAA granted the extension to submit by January 15th, 2024, which is when uh, we provided our comments. Again, it's a public process, and all the comments are visible on uh, regulations.gov. In this case, the submission for NBAA and others were worked together collaboratively with our Advanced Air Mobility Roundtable, 
our Emerging Technologies uh, Committee, our Access Committee, and a number of other groups and individuals to put this together. It was a, a very thought out process, and we're proud of the input that we submitted publicly to the FAA. More in a moment after this word from our sponsor. Take your aviation operations to new heights. Introducing Varion, formerly known as ATP, your ultimate partner in achieving maximum aircraft uptime. At Varion, we understand the challenges faced by everyone in aviation. Our industry-leading technology solutions revolutionize aircraft management, so there's no more waiting, no more wondering, and no more wasted effort. Get real-time visibility of your maintenance, inventory, operations, and regulatory data right at your fingertips with an easy-to-use system. Backed by a team of experts with deep aviation knowledge offering 24-7, 365 support. After 50 years in the business, we have built a growing reputation for getting our customers more aircraft uptime. That's why thousands of aircraft operators worldwide have already discovered the power of Varion. Say goodbye to downtime and hello to increased efficiency and profitability. Visit Varion.com to learn more. Varion, let's get you more uptime. We're back now with Alex Gertson, Matt Broffman, and Ryan Naru, and our discussion about the FAA's proposed alteration of the definition of aeronautical activities. And to the point Alex just made, it sounds like both Joby and Lilliam's AAM entries meet the FAA's definition already. So Ryan, what feedback did the AAM roundtable provide in the comment period? When you look at the current definition of aeronautical activity, it doesn't discriminate against aircraft type, be it the type of power plant or fuel being used. It doesn't differentiate based on the innovative nature of the aircraft or the operation. And in fact, all of the types of operations Joby intends to complete one day already fall within the existing definition. Because advanced air mobility is such a broad term, and because it is such a challenge to use today for regulatory and legislative activities, we advise the FAA to actually not use this term in their proposed revised definition. Matt, as you noted earlier, Lilium plans to conduct regional operations much like many current aircraft are already performing. The only real difference lies in how your aircraft will operate. Yeah, as with any airport, you can have all sorts of different kinds of aircraft taking off and landing from the airport. What they do and why they're taking off or landing is going to vary greatly, right? So in the traditional world, we've got, you know, Part 91, Part 91K, 135, and 121. And obviously, those rules for each of those operations exist because those operations look different. And then we have different types of aircraft. So in our case, and even for Joby and for others, we may launch with one mission profile or one type of mission, but the reality is AAM aircraft or eVTOLs are going to be used for all sorts of different types of missions. So for us, uh, we're launching on day one with Part 91, so private customers buying our aircraft and flying them privately. But we'll very quickly scale into what we call our shuttle operations, which will be Part 135 operations, where people will be able to buy a ticket on them and, and go places. But we'll also see corporations use these for their aircraft. We'll people, see people use them privately, and we'll see some other industrial uses, including some medical uh, uses as well. And so there'll be all sorts of different kinds of uses for AAM aircraft. And that's part of why we think it really already fits under the definitions that exist under aeronautical activity. And we're fully supportive of highlighting to make clarity that it is under the existing uh, aeronautical activity, but we certainly don't need to be pulled aside. Ryan, another aspect that sticks out to me is that AAM is not presently defined in most other parts of the federal aviation regulations. So why define it here? 
That's right, Rob. When you look at the existing definitions in 14 CFR, advanced air mobility is not a term that's used by the FAA. And I think that that is the principal reason why we developed our comments in this way. We don't think it's necessary for AAM to be defined because it falls under the existing terms already used in 14 CFR. Alex, it's also worth pointing out that NBAA called out the FAA for proposing Recreational Uncrewed Aircraft Systems, or UAS, as a separate category. Why was that? The addition of Recreational UAS is unprecedented. FAA has not differentiated between recreational and non-recreational uses in the past. The FAA policy, as well as past underlying statutes, have long required that all types of aeronautical activities be provided access to obligated airports. And here we're concerned on a number of items. One, this puts an undue burden on airport sponsors and others involved in determining whether an activity is recreational in its nature or not. Of course, it also creates a slippery slope to potentially justify the ban of existing recreational activity uses of airports beyond UAS and appears to exceed the FAA's authority by depriving statutory authorized flight activities from FAA protection. I mean, recreational general aviation is at the core of the U.S. aviation system and has had the opportunity to flourish here like no other place on the globe, largely due to the FAA embracing its importance. So the current path for flight training and other disciplines, as we all know, into commercial aviation is through recreational general aviation. So even if unintended, the proposed definition and the carve-out of recreational UAS suggests that the FAA does not appreciate and will not defend the value and necessity of recreational general aviation overall. So this is obviously a concern to us. Definitely. What about the FAA's proposed addition of another emerging sector, commercial space operations? Those are a pretty big deal at many airports around the country. Thanks for bringing that one up too, Rob. At this time, NBAA and other groups that we commented with elected not to offer formal feedback on that item. Uh, We do not object to that change. Ultimately, to your point, we have a number of airports that are welcoming commercial space in a variety of forms, whether it's manufacturing or some type of uh, flight testing. Ultimately, we did not offer any specific comments on that in the formal submission that we provided. Understood. So, Matt, what are some takeaways that we hope the FAA considers from the industry's comments on this issue to maintain the current definition of aeronautical activity? First and foremost, I think the great part is we agree with where the FAA got. We all think that advanced air mobility and the type of operations that we're going to do at Joby, at Lilium, and at some of the other companies all are aeronautical activities. So we agree on that. I think where we, we, we kind of would like to see a different approach on how we get there, right, which is to just assume that because we're going to be engaging in an aircraft taking off and landing for commercial purposes or whatever purposes, and that aircraft is certified, it would already be considered an aeronautical activity. And look, we know that bringing a new and novel aircraft to market is going to require new rules. We're working day uh, day in and day out with the FAA on a lot of those new rules. But what we want to make sure is that those new rules apply to the thing that we're doing that is different. So if it's because we have electric propulsion or because we have a different type of propulsion system, right? those are totally fine to have new rules based on that. But at the end of the day, the operations that we're going to be doing from an airport won't look any different than the operations that any other aircraft or any other operator operating aircraft would be doing from the airport. And so we think, let's get to the same point, but let's just get there a little bit differently. Ryan, as we've noted in this conversation, there are many aspects of AAM and UAS that represent new ways of thinking. 
We aren't used to seeing these types of vehicles around our local airport. But again, it's important to note these activities aren't fundamentally different from what airports are already set up to handle. That's right. Today, our aircraft operates flight test activities sometimes three times a day from a public use airport in the Monterey Bay of California. These are very typical operations. The aircraft might look a little different. The fuel source might be novel. But in the end, this very nuanced thing, which is the definition of aeronautical activity and the introduction potentially of this new term in regulatory parlance, is what we think requires just a second look. I think as we consider this issue, it's not just about the definition that's being proposed. It's also about making sure that airport managers across the country know that they can use their existing processes to allow for entry into service of these new and novel aircraft, particularly as we look at commercial operations. Reminding folks that we are looking at using traditional regulations, Part 135 air taxi service, um, as some operational models. Exactly as Matt and Ryan said, uh, while we do not support the new inclusion of AAM or UAS in the definition of aeronautical activities, we greatly appreciate the FAA being proactive in looking at making these potential changes and the opportunity for the public to comment and provide input. Ultimately, this is a great example of the collaborative public process at work. Uh, the FAA will now take some time to review all the comments and determine what actions they wish to take, and we hope that they take our input into consideration. And again, very much uh, appreciate the collaborative effort here with our Advanced Air Mobility Roundtable, the FAA, and the other groups and associations that we worked with. Alex, I also think it's worth noting again the significance of the FAA taking these new aircraft types seriously and looking at the various ways that regulations may or may not need to be adjusted to reflect their operation. That's pretty encouraging in and of itself, right? Absolutely. It's a valuable exercise to do and for the agency to solicit input from private industry in addition to validate what itself is is thinking uh, the changes uh, might be needed. In addition to Joby and Lilium, the other members of NBAA's AAM Roundtable are Archer, Beta Technologies, Hillwood Aviation, Overair, Textron E-Aviation, Supernal, and Whisk. You can learn more about this issue from NBAA's recent article, NBAA Association Partners Voice Concerns with Aeronautical Activity Definition, available at nbaa.org forward slash flight plan forward slash definition. That article also includes a link to the FAA's proposed changes and the industry's comments on the regulations.gov website. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking your virtual assistant or connected device. Of course, you can also download Flight Plan directly from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. Right, base, sending out 3500. Right, we got him inside. We're slowing it back to 170.